0: So we're wrapping up our series, Life in Babylon. We've been focusing on the life of Daniel and his three friends, uh, forced to live in Babylon 2,600 years ago in a culture very much like our own. Very much like our own. Marching to the beat of its own drum, right? I mean, this is the culture in which we live. And, of course, the beat of that drum was away from God not toward God, away from God, living, away from living the way God would have us to live. And so during Daniel's 70 years of living in exile, he served four different kings, four different kings, ruling over two different kingdoms. And we'll see the second uh, kingdom tonight. Uh, And the book of Daniel, of course, records the highlights. This is just the highlight section, real, of Daniel's, Life. There are a lot of many long gaps between uh, chapters and events that are recorded, but here's what we know we know that Daniel and his friends faced many challenges living the way they were living as God fearing men in this Babylonian culture, and their lives, their very livelihood, their, their jobs, their very lives were threatened as a result of how they remain faithful and loyal to the Lord. So here they are living in Babylon, but they're living for God. And this is what we've been encouraged to do throughout this series. We're living in Babylon, but let's live faithfully to the Lord. I, I, I think today what many want is we just want an easy life. We want to we we skate-through life. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not you know, signing up for persecution and hardship. And I, I don't, I, I like life to be comfortable and easy. Anybody else, I mean, you'd prefer it that way? Yeah, I think so. It's human nature, I guess. But it wasn't easy for these, these guys. And we shouldn't expect it to be easy for us. In fact, as we're going to see tonight, living for God meant living with lions, literally. And that's the title of our message tonight, Living with Lions. We face lions living in our Babylon today. And the scripture, of course, tells us that the devil is a roaring lion, isn't he? Right? The Bible tells us that he is roaming to and fro over the face of the earth. He is he's looking for those that he can devour. And so... The scripture tells us that Satan is the the God of this, the little g God of this world. And so we have to understand that the world we live in is going to be a hostile place for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ. So tonight we're going to see from Daniel's life how to survive the lion's den. All right, here's the big idea of tonight's message. It's simply this, be faithful to the Lord and leave the consequences to him. Say that with me. Be faithful to the Lord and leave the consequences to him. From the end of chapter 4 to the beginning of chapter 6, Babylon has been invaded. It's been conquered. Read chapter 5 later and you can see what happened there. But it's been conquered by Darius the Mede. And so here here Daniel, he's been living in Babylon for nearly 70 years. He's survived. He's thrived as a Jewish man in exile in in Babylon. He's been one of the top leaders. Now he's an old man. Um, Estimated that, that Daniel at this point is 85 years old or more. He could be 90 years old at this time. New king is in charge. What does this mean for Daniel? What does this mean for a man who has been committed to living faithfully to the Lord in the middle of Babylon. Well, here's what we're going to see tonight. We're going to see the plot against Daniel, the practice of Daniel, the peace that Daniel had, and the praise from Daniel. So let's take these one at a time. First of all, from verses 1 through 9, we see the plot against Daniel. Here's the principle. It's on the screen. Here's the principle. If you are going to live for the Lord, some people around you won't like it. They're not going to like it. Well, here's King Darius the Mede. He ascended to power in 538 B.C., and when he did, he quickly learned that there was something unique, extraordinary about Daniel, like the other kings before him, Nebuchadnezzar, for example. And so the king appointed Daniel, as we read the early verses there in chapter 6, he appoints Daniel as chief administrator. And verse 3 tells us that he planned to set Daniel as this governor over the entire realm, this ruler over the entire kingdom in that particular region. So, what this did was it made the other administrators jealous of Daniel and they began looking for a way to destroy Daniel. What we need to realize, church, is that at times God's favor on our life, like God's favor on Daniel's life, it is going to provoke jealousy at times, envy at times, even hostility at times from people in our lives. Someone at work, someone at home, relative, Friend, someone at school, not everyone is going to be excited that you are living for Jesus Christ. And so here's what they did. They just began watching Daniel ever so closely, right? He's under surveillance 24-7. They have him wa- They have him being watched. Man, they are looking for, for some slip-up in Daniel's life. They're listening to every word. Verse t- 4 tells us that they kept trying to find this charge against Daniel, hoping to catch him doing something wrong. So day after day, they scrutinize his life. And here's the thing. If we're going to live for Jesus Christ, we have to expect that the people around us are going to scrutinize our lives. If you let it be known that you love Jesus and you're going to follow Jesus, people are going to watch you like a hawk. They're going to watch you like a hawk. They're going to listen to everything you say. Why? Because people don't like light in dark places. That's that's basically what it boils down to. And if you're going to live as a light, if you're going to shine for Jesus Christ, man, that really puts a dampening on the darkness that they enjoy living in. And so the closer they examined Daniel, the more they found. You know what they found? Nothing. Nothing of fault. No fraud, no corruption, no dishonesty, as we read in verse 4. He was trustworthy and had no negligence or corruption that was found in him. So Daniel's a good man. He's an honorable man. He's a man of good reputation. He has godly character. He's a consistent believer. He's a man who just walks with God and has walked faithfully with God for many, many years in Babylon. And this was a great testimony for Daniel. This was a, a great testimony to God. And it's a challenge to you and me as followers of Jesus Christ living in this culture today. Listen, if your life was scrutinized the way Daniel's life was, if there was a surveillance team following you around, you know, when you got up in the morning, they were watching you, you know, when you sat down for coffee, you know, in the morning. They were, they were watching to see, are you, are you a grumpy person, you know? Do, do words just fly out of your mouth? I mean, how much do you really act like, I mean, this, if they watched your every move, listen to your every word, what would they find? Would they find that you're Trustworthy? Would they find that you don't neglect your duties? I mean, these were things that they found with Daniel. Would you be found irreproachable? Does your life bring honor to the Lord? Isn't this what the scripture says we're to do? Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, what does it say? Do all to the glory of God, right? Paul says in 2 Corinthians, we are ambassadors for Christ. We represent him. And here's Daniel. He's living as a representative of God. He's living in the the court of the king of the Medes and Persians. But he is serving. He's living like he's serving in the court of the king of kings. This is what we are called to today, church. This is how we're called to live. Peter writes this in his first epistle. He says, As strangers and exiles... Abstain from sinful desires that wage war against the soul. Conduct yourself honorably among the Gentiles, the Gentiles being the lost. Conduct yourself honorably so that when they slander you as evildoers, they will observe your good works and will glorify your God. This is what we are called to do as followers of Jesus Christ. We are called... To abstain from sinful desires, we're called to conduct ourselves honorably. This is what Daniel was doing. And here was, here's the conclusion. This was the report that came back from the surveillance team. Verse 5, we will never find any charge against Daniel unless we find something against him concerning the law of his God. The only thing we're ever going to be able to pin on Daniel is something to do with his worship of God. That's because he just lives so consistently in obedience to his God. Man, what a testimony, right? What an example for us as God's people today. You might as well know it. If you're gonna live for the Lord, there are going to be people around you who aren't gonna like it, and some are going to likely try to use it against you. And this is what's happening with Daniel. People who don't know the Lord, they look for ways to attack those who do. And Jesus warned us of this. The Apostle Paul told us if you're going to live godly, a godly life, expect you're going to be persecuted. That's what Paul wrote to Timothy. Well, let them do what they will, church. Let them do what they will. Let them scrutinize our lives. I pray that they would find in us such an example, such a testimony as they found in Daniel's life. Let them hate us. Let them fight against us. Let them try to silence us. But regardless of what they do, let us determine in our hearts to do like Daniel did and remain faithful to the Lord. And so Daniel's enemies, they adjust their strategy. Verses six through nine, as we read, tells us they devise this plot that the king would would write this edict, this law, this ordinance that no one could pray to any god or make any request to anyone other than him. When you think about it, that's absurd. He's a king of you know, hundreds of thousands of people, if not a few million. I don't know how many people are in this kingdom. A lot. Everyone for 30 days has to come And ask you for whatever they want or need? Mothers, you know what this is like, right? Your husband, honey, where's this? Where's that? Where's this? And then you got the kids, you know? Can you imagine a few hundred thousand of that? You know? Ready to pull your hair out now? I mean, can you imagine? This is absurd. But, It appealed to the king's pride. I mean, after all, these guys were looked at as a god. This would make the king the centerpiece of everyone's thoughts, right? So this appealed to his ego. This appealed to his pride. And so the king signs it. Oh, don't miss this part. For anyone who disobeyed the law, who broke the law, they would be thrown into a den of lions. A den of lions, like real lions, literal lions. I saw today some little video about some guy jumped into a enclosure for a koala bear. You know, what possesses people to do this sort of thing? This guy did this, he found out the hard way. It's not a good idea. These were real lions. That was the punishment And so for the next 30 days, this is the law of the land. The king has signed it. What is Daniel going to do? What was any God-fearing Jew in the kingdom going to do? I don't think the, honestly, the plot conspirators, I don't think they really cared what anyone else did. This was a hit job on one guy. This, this was simply to take down Daniel. They, weren't, they didn't care what anybody else in the kingdom did. They weren't going to watch anybody else. This was a hit job on Daniel, to take Daniel out. Let me ask you a question. What would you do? What would we do if we were in Daniel's shoes? What if it became illegal to openly worship God and express our biblical convictions. What if that became the law of the land? You think that's impossible in America? I mean maybe there was a time when we did, but we know better now, don't we? We we've seen too many examples. I, I was reminded of of coach Joe Kennedy this week. Perhaps you heard of him. He was fired from his job as a high school football coach in Washington. Why? Because he prayed on the field. He he bowed his knee silent prayer by himself on the field, and and he was fired for that. Um, when it went before an appellate court, they, handed, they basically upheld the public school's right to do that, and what they said was that any teacher on duty can be seen, so everything they do, including brief, quiet, personal prayer, is government speech, right? And so you can go into a classroom and show all kinds of filth now, and but God forbid that you say a prayer on a field with no words out loud, right? I mean, this is what happened to Coach Joe Kennedy. He was fired, spent years in the courts. Thank God that in 2022, the Supreme Court took up his case and, and by a 6-3 decision, uh, upheld Coach Kennedy's right. That was a big win for religious liberty. Thank God for the, 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 you know, the, the Christian law associations out there, right? The, the, the liberty... Uh, group And all of those Christian groups out there that, that fight these sorts of things, uh, here's the concerning thing. It was a six-to-three decision. <laughs> that means there were three on, that, on our Supreme Court who thought, this is a bad idea. This should, this should not be the right of a Christian high school coach. Mark it down. The further our nation gets from God, the more persecution followers of Jesus Christ we can expect to face. Just mark it down. What would we do if we were in Daniel's place? What if they were talking about taking our job, taking away our business, right? We're not talking, of, we're not talking about even jail time here. This was being thrown into a den of hungry lions. When the king signed that decree, Daniel was faced with a choice. Should he remain faithful to the Lord, or should he bow to the vanity of the king? Let's see what Daniel did. Verse 10, we read it earlier. Let's let's, Let's see what he does. When Daniel learned that the document had been signed, he went into his house, and the windows in its upstairs room opened toward Jerusalem. And three times a day, he got down on his knees, and he prayed, and he gave thanks to his God... Just as he had done before, right? So here's number two, the practice of Daniel. We saw the plot. Here's the practice. Here's the truth. Here's the truth. It's on the screen. You can flourish spiritually in a difficult situation. You can flourish spiritually. Even in a very difficult, life-threatening situation perhaps, situation, Daniel chose to continue living out his faith, just as he had done for 65 or 70 years in Babylon. He wasn't going to be intimidated or deterred, regardless of the lions. Here's what Daniel did. Number one, he chose obedience to God over the opportunities of the world. Notice something. When Daniel learned about the new law, he goes home and he prays, and it says there, that the windows were open toward Jerusalem. All right, so pick up on that. Daniel didn't go open the windows to Jerusalem. They were already open toward Jerusalem. This is what the Jews would do. This, in fact, if you go back, you want to read it, 1 Kings 8, 46 through 52. God had promised to hear the prayers of his people. If they're in exile, that if they would pray toward Jerusalem, confess their sin, right, and turn to him, seek his face, that he would hear their prayer. He's doing what God told them to do. And remember, the surveillance team, 24-7, they saw. This is what Daniel would do every day, three times a day. And so Daniel doesn't, he, he doesn't go home and close the window. The law's been signed. You see what's going on here? He doesn't go open the windows Here's the thing, he doesn't go close the windows. He, he's not intimidated. He's not going to be ashamed of his God. He's not now going to change what he was doing simply because of what the law said. He wasn't going to try to hide his faith at this point. He just continued to do what God called him to do, to simply pray for the people, to pray seeking God's face, and to do so toward Jerusalem. Second, he chose faithfulness to God over the favor of the king. The decree of of Darius changed nothing for Daniel. He simply went before the Lord, notice what it says, just as he had done before. See, here's what happened. Long before this moment, Daniel had made up his mind to be faithful to to God. Go all the way back, and we we looked at this, when Daniel was first brought into Babylon, right? And he got into King Nebuchadnezzar's assimilation, indoctrination program, right? He purposed in his heart, he was not gonna defile himself. Long before this event, 50, 60, 70 years before this event, Daniel had made up his mind, and just day after day, he, he prayed. Day after day, he walked with the Lord, Day after day in exile, living in Babylon, he just remained faithful. He doesn't get his marching orders from the king or TikTok or Twitter or TMZ or whatever it is. He gets his marching orders from God. And so when it comes to his walk with God, his life is characterized by frequency and dependency, right? Faithfulness, persistency. Daniel's walk with God was real and relevant He's choosing faithfulness to God over his own personal freedom. If it meant the lion's den, so be it. Daniel was going to do as he had always done. He was going to pray. He was going to seek God's face. The story of Daniel advises us to stand true to our beliefs in our circumstances without notice explicitly seeking out conflict. Do you pick up on that here? Daniel wasn't looking for conflict, right? He's just quietly living out his faith. Conflict finds him. There's a difference. And I think in the mentality of some realms of, of Christianity today, there's this element of let's go out there and let's, let's, find, <laughs> let's find something to fight about and there's plenty. You don't have to look very far. But what I, what I think is admirable, Daniel, I think something we can pattern our own lives after is just simply live walking with God in Babylon. You don't have to go out and pick fights and look for fights, but if you're going to walk with God, you're gonna, conflict's going to find you at some point. Read your Bible. Read your Bible on break at work. Do that. Go sit in a coffee shop and read your Bible. You know what you'll find out? We, we meet with some guys on Wednesday nights, and we do a Bible study, right, on uh, Wednesday nights. We've been meeting over at Portillo's down there on, what is it, 79th and Bell down there? You guys know where it is? And how many times, guys, have, have there been people who have walked by our table and said, hey, guys, thanks. Thanks for, thanks for doing this. <laughs> People people need to see that there are God-fearing Christians out there who can still open a Bible and talk about the Lord without any fear of what's going on around us. I think the world needs to see us with our Bible. They need to see us in a God-fearing way. Pray before you eat lunch at the cafeteria, right? I mean, look... Again, I'm not saying that that we need to do so just to be seen. No, but we just need to practice our faith in a way that that we go about our business and walking with the Lord, understanding that people are going to take notice to that. When we're concerned with only pleasing God, when we only live for an audience of one, decision-making instantly becomes simple, doesn't it? What does God say to do? Let's do that. That ought to be how we live our lives. So Daniel, uh, third, he chose devotion to God over the decree of the king. The decree was only for 30 days. Question, why not just go along? 30 days, 30 days. I wonder, I I wonder if for for some wouldn't even change our practice. (laughs) You know what I mean? Go 30 days without prayer? Well, we've gone 60 days. What's, what's 30 days? What's the big deal? I would hope not. Not us, right? The other Christians out there, but not us. You, we've never gone more than 30 days without praying, have we? But, but I mean, I, that's the question. Would a decree like this actually mean that, that it upsets our practice? It flew in the face of Daniel's daily practice. Daniel's faith in the Lord would not allow him anything less than what the Lord wanted him to be, even for a mere 30 days. His walk with God, his time with God in prayer was too important, was too valuable to him, was was too much a part of the fabric of who he was and the character of a man, the godly man that he was, to just simply let it slide for 30 days. He chose, number four, bowing before God over bowing before his enemies. It says there in verse 10, he got down on his knees and he prayed and he gave thanks to his God. Right? Daniel didn't bow down for the king. He bowed before God, this was his habit as we've established. From time to time, all the way back from the time when he was a young man, Daniel, this was his way of life. You see, prayer, as we think about this, here he is, he's bowing down. Is it important for us to bow down when we pray? Is that the important thing here? I believe that prayer is a matter of the heart, right? Could Daniel, could Daniel have, could, could he have not bowed down? Could he have made it not so obvious? Again, D- Daniel wasn't gonna change the way he was walking with God just because of the edict. He wasn't gonna do that. But in the same time, what we have to understand is that there's a lot of different ways to pray, aren't there? In fact, in the Bible, we see that. We see people, on their knees. We see people lying down. We see people lying on their backs. We see someone praying inside the stomach of a, of a fish, of a, of a great whale, right? I mean, they prayed in all types of positions and situations, right? I'm not saying that We have to pray on our knees. I don't think that's the point here. But what I'm saying is that for Daniel, this is what he did. This is how he learned to pray as a youngster. This is what established the grid of his life. And here in his 90s, he's still praying. He's still talking to God after all these years in exile. How valuable is prayer to you? How valuable is it? Would you be willing to lose your life over the freedom to pray? Do we prioritize prayer to that degree in our life? My challenge to you tonight is to start a Bible reading and a prayer time every day. Every day. Not just in emergencies. I'm not saying that Prayer three three times a day is a magic number. But what if you bathed each day in prayer? Every day. All day. You talk to the Lord about everything. You see, prayer is the conduit by which God's power comes into our lives. And I think, I think we could go around the room tonight and we could, we could talk about what we've seen God do in our lives and the lives of others by answered prayer, couldn't we? We we know that God hears prayer. We know that God answers prayer. We've experienced it in our own lives. I've seen prayers answered in 15 seconds and I'm still praying for some things and it seems like it's been much longer than 15 years. But God hears and answers prayer. Daniel was in a place and circumstance where complacency and compromise would have been very easy to fall into, and yet in the midst of all of that, Daniel remained a righteous man, and he flourished spiritually right there living in Babylon. I think sometimes we think that we have, the only way to flourish spiritually is to be in the midst of Christians. You know, I want to Go to church and have my kids in a, in a Christian school and listen to Christian music and buy my food from a Christian market and have Christian tires on my car, right? If, if everything is Christian in my life, you know? Christian radio, Christian TV, everything has to be Christian. If everything is Christian, then I will be a growing Christian. I'm not knocking any of those things. I think it's great to be surrounded by Christians, isn't it? Praise the Lord that this is what the church is. We're a, a gathering, a body of believers. This is important. This does help us in our Christian life. But, but listen, you can flourish in difficult situations just, just as much, if not more. Why? You know, maybe you have a, a job where you're not surrounded by people that love the Lord. They say the name of God, you know, they, they use his name as a curse. Maybe there are a lot of very difficult things about working in that environment. Perhaps, perhaps you, you live in a home where there are, maybe your spouse is unsaved or your children are unsaved or there's just that, that ungodly sense that you're always, you hear it, you see it, right, in, in the people around you, and you think, man, I can't survive here spiritually. Some of our young people, you're in schools where, you know, you ride the bus, you talk to kids, and it's anti-Christian. Bring up your Christian. My my kids share this with me. You bring up Christian, and it's like, (laughs) you know, like, oh, no, we're not Christian, you know. Hostile toward our faith. And we think that we have to move out of that place. And maybe you do need to move out of that place. Ask God for wisdom about that, but but here's the thing. It may be that God has you in that place for a reason, right? I think God had Daniel in Babylon for a reason, don't you? He did. Daniel was serving a purpose right where he was for 70 years, he kept walking with the Lord and, and he grew in his walk with God. You see, you can become stronger in Babylon if you walk faithfully with Jesus. Sometimes when we're in an environment around Christians all the time, what do we do? We put our life in spiritual cruise control. Go to a Bible college. Anybody ever been to a Bible college? Oh, my goodness. I've seen it, man. It just, it's so easy in that setting where there's, everything's Christian. All the kids are Christian. I'm, I'm not knocking Christian colleges. I think every kid should go to one, but here's what you find out. Spiritual cruise control, man. I mean, it's one of the best places to backslide in the world. This is what this is what happens. Again, I'm not knocking that. But sometimes when we are in a secular environment, it forces us to do one of two things: to either blend into the woodwork and not rock the boat, just be one of the boys, one of the girls to be cool, not talk about our faith, or to stand up and be counted. That's what Daniel did, and he never compromised his principles. Never did. So standing up for the Lord isn't easy, but Daniel made it look easy, didn't he? We're going to face persecution, maybe prosecution, maybe execution. But God wants us to know that faithfulness to him is always the right thing to do in spite of the difficult circumstances, church. We can Flourish spiritually, and the darker it gets in the world, the brighter our light can shine. Amen. So, rather than getting discouraged and throwing the phone against the wall when you see what's going on in the world, man, just shine for Jesus wherever you are. We live with lions, that devil, he's a roaring lion, as we said, and whenever. Whenever we get discouraged about living with lions, the devil wants us to think he's going to take us out, you know, that, that we're his. He wants, us, he wants to discourage us and defeat us, doesn't he? There's Daniel. They throw him in the lion's den. Everyone thought that Daniel was a dead man, right? I mean, hungry lions. What are they, what are they going to do? Well, they're just going to do what lions do. They're going to have a a good meal that night. Lions don't care if you're a a preacher or a pagan. They don't don't care, (laughs) right? But here's what we see. This brings us to our third point. And that's the peace within Daniel. Daniel's not afraid. Here's the truth. There's nothing to fear when God is near. Nothing to fear. Living in Babylon, living with lions... There's nothing to fear when God is near. King Darius didn't want this to happen. He was gullible and and weak, but he liked Daniel, and he knew Daniel enough to believe that his God was able somehow to take care of him in that lion's den. And so after the king seals the den, he goes back to his palace, and the picture that we see here in verses 14 through 18 is that King Darius, he stays up all night, and he's pacing the floor, man. He can't sleep. He's worried, man. He's distraught. What's what's going on down there in that lion's den with Daniel? So there's the king. He's worrying. And then you think about Daniel's enemies. What do you think they're doing? They're not worrying. They're partying. right? They're celebrating. They're up all night because, man, this is the greatest thing. We find the plan worked. The plot worked. Daniel is done. I think the only person who got sleep that night was Daniel. Just Daniel. Daniel, for I mean, there's absolutely no indication of any fear on Daniel's part. Does that astound you? It astounds me. Daniel's in perfect peace. I like to think that Daniel was using one of those lions as a big fluffy pillow. He had the peace of God. He was like The aged Polycarp, I told you about him a couple weeks ago in the second century, burned to death in Smyrna in 8155 after being a Christian for 86 years, right? Almost about the same age as Daniel at this time. Before they lit the fire on that old man, they wanted him to deny the Lord and save his life. And the witnesses record that with a calm, steady voice, he said, 86 years I've served the Lord, and he has done me no harm. Why should I forsake him now? That's Daniel. That is Daniel in that lion's den. When the lion roars, we need to turn to the lion of the tribe of Judah. Amen? Amen. That's where we turn. That's where we turn. We turn to him, knowing that sometimes God chooses to keep us safe in the lion's den rather than from the lion's den. Often it brings more glory to God to save us in our troubles than from our troubles. And so, look, we're going to go through troubles and trials. We're going to live with the lions. Don't expect God to spare you from all the storms. But God can keep us in those turbulent times just as easily as he can keep us from those difficult times. And so whatever God chooses, rest in him, church. Rest in him. Psalm 46, be still. And why? Know that I am God. Jesus says, I told you these things so that in me you might have peace. You're gonna have suffering in this world. Be courageous, I've conquered the world. He said later, or earlier actually, peace I leave to you, my peace I give to you. Not as the, as the world gives I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Who needs that verse tonight? Who who needs to to open their Bible tonight and say, Lord, boy, I have just been struggling with with the the lines that I'm living with in my life. Give me your peace. Do you want to find peace in the midst of your turmoil? Someone said, when your knees knock together, kneel on them. Remember that. When your knees knock together, kneel on them, pray. Pray. It's through prayer that we find the peace of God, right? Paul writes in Philippians, this is a verse that every one of us as believers need to have marked in our Bible, know where it is, memorize it, don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. When you feel like you're going to lose your mind, right? Man, my mind. I'm, I'm, I'm going to lose my mind, preacher. Look, you find the peace of God on your knees. On your knees, talking to the Lord. Take it to him, present it to the Lord. I'd rather be in a lion's den with God than anywhere else without him, right? Where he is, we're safe. We're safe. The real peace is being able to lay your head on the pillow at night at peace with God, right? No matter knowing whatever happens, Daniel didn't know what was gonna happen when they tossed him down there. He didn't know. I don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow. Whole world seems like it's, it's coming unglued, right? But we can lay our head on our pillow at night, at peace, knowing that God is on the throne, and no matter what happens tomorrow, he will be there to walk with us through it. Amen? Daniel slept better that night than the king did. He's in a lion's den. And he had more confidence than the king had in a palace. Right? Here's number four, the praise of Daniel. When you look at verses 19 through 28, here's the truth. What happens to us in life, no, whatever happens to us in life, God is the hero. God is a hero. This, is, this really isn't... I mean, yeah, we can learn so much about Daniel and how we can live in Babylon, but the truth of the matter is, God's the hero of the story. God's the one who brought Daniel through at daybreak. Man, Darius rushes down there to the dead, man. Opens the stone. And there's Daniel. He's got a cup of coffee, and he's reading between the lions. You know, reading the The Babylon Chronicle, verse 22. My God, Daniel says, sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they haven't harmed me. For I was found innocent before him, and also before you, your majesty. I have not done harm. Daniel's taken out of Dan, and (coughs) no injury is found on him whatsoever. God kept him safe through his prayer. The plot of the wicked men was overturned and God was glorified. Daniel lifted his hands and he praised God. Now let me be clear. Don't conclude from this story that if you pray and trust God, he will always keep you safe and deliver you from all harm. We can't make that conclusion here. We know that's not true. Lots of people die in lion's dens right? How many Christians died in the Colosseum, torn, about, torn apart by lions? God gets us out of situations, but sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he doesn't. But here's the thing. In the end, we know as Christians that we win. That's right. Amen. We know we win. Amen. We know how the story ends, we know like, like, like Paul said, to live is Christ and to die is gain. For me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. It's like the, the guy who, who was confronted. He was, it was a preschool, and, and a, someone had taken a child, and this father ran down there to, to stop this man, and the guy pulled out a gun and pointed at him and said, "Don't come any closer, or I'll shoot." And the man said, "You can't threaten me with heaven. You can't threaten me that, that way. Church, this is how we're to live. We have to recognize that in the end, we win. To die is gain. Even if the worst case scenario happens, if it had happened and, and Daniel was eaten by the lions, he would have gone into the presence of God. Right? Even if the worst thing happened, Daniel still would have won. What does that mean? It means whatever trial I'm in, I am safe. I'm safe because I know that that God is near. I know that he loves me. I know that his presence is with me. I know that he'll never leave me nor forsake me. And I know that he has a home prepared for me. Now, we're not going to take time to look at the end of the story, but it's kind of cool how the guys who laid the trap for Daniel fell into the trap themselves doesn't mean we should be vengeful. We should like Christ forgive, right? There's a a higher calling for us, but the king had the authority to put down evildoers. This is one of the roles that government is supposed to do, and the king did that. This wasn't Daniel's wish, but if you take anything away from this series, remember this, and we're done. Be faithful to trust and obey the Lord and leave the consequences to him. Just be faithful to walk with God every day. Leave the consequences to him, the outcome to him. Here's our next steps and we're done. Number one, which next step do you need tonight? Number one, I will choose faithfulness to God over the favor of people. Faithfulness to God over the favor of people. Let's not live trying to please the world around us. Let's live for an audience of one. Jesus Christ. Step number two, I will make prayer a priority in my daily life. Has prayer been a priority in your life? Make it a priority in your life. Step number three, I will do right and trust the outcomes to God. I'll do right. Trust the outcomes to God. God help us. Let's pray.